We left off in Isaiah a few weeks ago, but we're going to pick up with our Isaiah series this morning. Now, again, this isn't a a chapter by chapter look through the book of Isaiah, though uh, if you are looking for some devotional reading, I would would highly recommend this particular book. As I've continued to study it and, and work through it, it is fast becoming one of my favorite books, not just of the Old Testament, but of the Bible period. It's just, it's just so fantastic. But now instead of going verse by verse through Isaiah, we have been looking at some of the, the big key themes. And in particular, we have been pointing out and exploring the parallels to life today, that it might be clear to us that our God saves. It is precisely because of this theme that the book of Isaiah is often referenced as the gospel of the Old Testament. And our text this morning, and te- the text that Katie read for us earlier, are particularly clear pictures of that. But before we get to the answers from the text, we need to recognize the problem. And in this particular area, my problem begins with daylight savings time. So I'm not really a big fan of daylight savings time. I- I'm still trying to figure out what daylight we saved as it gets dark so incredibly early now. Those of us who don't get up at dawn, we got totally ripped off, man. And, and though I feel ripped off, I can resonate with one particular benefit. I, I get more tired earlier than I used to. I don't know if it's just a trick of the brain or if it's the, the business of life or it's the wear and tear of this stressful season that we have all been going through. But where I used to lie in bed awake for hours... After I had crawled into it, I am now finding myself able to fall asleep so much faster. And man, I'll take it. I'll take it because I love sleep. I love sleep, though that wasn't something and sometimes still isn't always true. When I was a child, when I was growing up, I hated bedtime. I don't remember all of the reasons, and I'm sure that many of them didn't make any sense But there was one reason that I can recall quite clearly. I didn't like bedtime because I feared my nightmares. I didn't always have nightmares. In in retrospect, I, I probably rarely had nightmares. But regardless of their frequency, I hated them. I hated them. Often they would wake me up and I would lie there sweating, trying to think of anything else, trying to think of something I liked, so that when I fell back to sleep... I would have a different dream and escape my nightmare. That particular strategy didn't always, didn't even often work. I would sometimes lie there awake and tell myself how the dream was going to end. How I would slay the monster or I would escape the trap and and hope that when I would fall asleep, my nightmare would be resolved and I could actually rest. But rest was never truly found in the grip of my nightmares. I may not have nightmares like I used to, but there are times when life feels like a nightmare. One that I can't wake up from. One that I can't seem to fix no matter how hard I try. And and it's not just 2020. I, I mean, 2020 has helped with the fear, death, isolation, and or hasn't helped, I should say, with the fear, death, isolation, and economic devastation that has been part of the fallout of the coronavirus. All of which is just further exacerbated by the increased devotion to our, our chosen echo chambers. 
Add to that an election season that has not brought our country together as much as it has emphasized the cracks and in some cases the deep ravines that separate us. Yeah, 2020 has been a chapter of life's nightmare, but it doesn't get to claim the whole book. Our needs did not change in 2020. Before this particular chapter of life's nightmare, we still needed to put food on the table. We still needed to work that job we didn't like. We still needed to find a job that we hoped we'd like and, and we hoped would put food on the table. Our cars still broke down. Our pipes still burst. Our interest rates, those puppies still went up. It was still possible to feel lonely and isolated before 2020. Though we could be surrounded by people, that didn't mean we felt like we fit in. Being at a party didn't mean we felt like we belonged. Sometimes being around others just emphasized how much we felt excluded, different, and alone. We didn't always agree with each other either. Our values didn't all line up stroke for stroke. Life here on earth is continuously full of problems and fears. Sickness and death are ever-present realities. Inequality, poverty, racism, and all the other injustices that have taken center stage in 2020 have been injustices that we have been dealing with since sin entered the world. Idolatry, putting something, anything before God in your life. Selfishness, putting yourself before others. Rebellion, not listening to those whom God has put in authority over you. Murder, ending someone's life, or being so mad at them that you refuse to help them avoid the pitfalls of their existence. Adultery, putting your wants and desires before your spouse. Theft, taking that what does not belong to you. Lying, committing to a false truth, especially when you know it's false, that you might benefit from it. Envy, desiring that... Sorry, desiring what belongs to another over what has been given to you. Spite. Desiring another feels, desiring another to feel loss because in your eyes they deserve it. These are all forms of immorality that have been part of the human existence, contributors to the daily nightmare of life. Sometimes they are our nightmares because we fall into them, sometimes they are our nightmares. Because they are weaponized against us. How many times have we been kept from sleep, not because of the fear of the nightmares of the night, but by the fear, worry, and anxiety brought on by the nightmares of the day? The nightmares of life have a way of keeping us in their grip. When the clock struck midnight on 2019 and 2020 was born, We did not wade into some new place of torment. The nightmares of life have, for some of us, maybe, or because, become more vivid, but they did not suddenly manifest. They did not suddenly spring into being. The nightmares of life began in a garden long, long ago when a snake lied to a woman and a woman and a man ate a fruit. They were asked not to. At the fall, at man's first disobedience, when Adam and Eve ate the fruit that was not intended for them, and against the express and known wishes of God, that is when the nightmares of life began. The nightmares of life are here because of the fall, because of sin, and because of the sin that lives within us still. How are we doing with that? 
How are you doing with the daily struggle against the sin that lives in your heart, the sin that hurts you and your neighbor? And how are you doing in forgiving the sin that lives in your neighbor and has been turned against you? The nightmares of life are real. And though we try to awake from them and change them through our own means, there is only one awakening that has any true, tangible effect on the nightmares of life. This morning, Katie read for us Isaiah 51, 1-8, where we had words of comfort from our Lord. We heard a promise that is everlasting of a salvation and righteousness that does not fade. Our text this morning will continue right after that promise as we pick up in Isaiah 51, 9-16. Where the promise continues with an answer, a remedy for the nightmares of life. We read the word of the Lord, Isaiah 51, 9-16. Awake, awake, arm of the Lord, clothe yourself with strength. Awake as in days gone by, as in generations of old. Was it not you who cut Rahab to pieces, who pierced that monster through? Was it not you who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, who made a road in the depths of the sea so that the redeemed might cross over? Those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them, and sorrow and sighing will flee away. I, even I, am he who comforts you. Who are you that you fear mere mortals, human beings who are but grass, that you forget the Lord, your Maker, who stretches out the heavens and who lays the foundations of the earth, that you live in constant terror every day because of the wrath of the oppressor who is bent on destruction? For where is the wrath of the oppressor? The cowering prisoners will soon be set free. They will not die in their dungeon, nor will they lack bread. For I am the Lord your God, who stirs up the sea so that its waves roar. The Almighty is his name. I have put my words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand. I, who set the heavens in place, who laid the foundations of the earth, and who say to Zion, You are my people. That ends the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. I pray this in your name. Amen. This is a prayer that clings to God in the worst of life with the confidence that he makes obstacles into a way. Our God awakes rises up and makes a way for us through the nightmares of life. In this text, Isaiah references the exodus of God's people from Egyptian slavery and bondage. For the Rahab that was cut to pieces is not the Rahab that we typically think about with the red sash from the book of Joshua, but is actually Egypt, the Rahab that we see in Isaiah chapter 30, verse 7. And Isaiah takes this imagery of Egypt, this this Rahab, and develops it into what bondage and slavery really is. A beast of mythical proportions, a dragon. The stories of ancient Canaan told tales of a sea dragon, an evil force of watery chaos, slain in combat by the hero god. Isaiah, in turn, takes this imagery and uses it for his own purpose. He merges pagan legend with covenant history. 
to say that all our hope lies in the hero God of the Exodus, that our pagan story can become part of his sacred story, and that the forces that we fear so deeply, the nightmares of the night, and particularly the nightmares of the day, have already been defeated in Christ. And oh, what a resounding defeat, and what a glorious victory. And yet Jesus went about slaying the dragon of bondage and sin in a much different way than we would expect him to. Typically, when dragons are slain, when justice is levied, as our passage promises this morning, we imagine the hero in all his armor, fantastic sword, fire everywhere behind the shield. He's doing his like heroic deeds, right? And then in some fantastic array of swordplay, sticks the sword through the dragon's heart and has his victory. His victory over sin. And crushing injustice beneath his boot and casting it from his presence. But if that was exactly how he had done it, then we would all be gutted and crushed and separated from God. For as we recognized earlier, because of the fall, sin is in the world. And because of the fall, sin is within us. And we do not have the ability to separate ourselves perfectly and completely from our sin. We cannot perfectly detach ourselves from our old nature, our original nature. And so we find ourselves in bondage. We find ourselves in prison, deeply attached to our sin and unable to unlock the shackles ourselves. And into our dungeon rides our Savior to slay the dragon without slaying his precious creation, without slaying us. And so Jesus defeated the dragon, defeated our bondage to sin in a different way. He took all of our sin on himself. All of the nightmares that wreck our nights and terrorize our days, he took all of that sin upon himself. So that everything that keeps us in bondage, all of the immorality that we do and that has been done to us was on his shoulders. And instead of a sword, he used three nails. One in each of his palms and one through his feet, and they fastened him to a cross. And on that cross, that cursed tree, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was abandoned by God in our place. And there he died in our place for our sin, taking the penalty for the nightmares of life upon himself. But he did not stay dead. Three days later, he rose from the dead, and in so doing, the nails that had held him to the cross became the sword with which he slew the dragon. No more would our sin need to separate us from God. No more was death something to fear. For Jesus conquered sin and death, so that through faith in him, through resting in the faith that has been given to us by Jesus Christ himself, by believing in Christ's work on the cross and our need of it, we could repent And we are forgiven. And we will be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Through faith, we are welcomed into the family of God where we can find rest amid the nightmares of life. When I would wake with nightmares as a child, when I would inevitably struggle to overcome them through my own strength, reason, and judgment, there was a place that I could always run and everything would be fine. I would take my pillow and blanket and I would make my way to the room of my parents. And I would lie down on the floor next to their bed and even though there was darkness on either side that would have terrified me if I had been on my own. 
the deep darkness beneath the bed and the unknown darkness under the dresser. The shadows that would have increased my fear had I been alone in my room could not touch me because of the presence of my parents. And in that room, in that safe space, I could fall asleep, impervious to the nightmares that had haunted me. Let us rest in the arms of the one who slew the dragon. Let us rest in the presence of the one who comforts us, who has made a road through the depths of the sea. Let us enter Zion with singing. Jesus has come that those cowering in the prison of their sin, held captive by the fear of the nightmares of life, would be set free. They need not die in their dungeon. For I am the Lord your God, says the Lord, who stirs up the seas so that its waves roar. The Lord Almighty is his name. I have put my words in your mouth and covered you with the shadow of my hand. I, who set the heavens in place, who laid the foundations of the earth, who say to Zion, you are my people. Church, as we continue to live in a world that is overwrought and overrun by the nightmares of life, let us remember whose we are. Let us remember that we are forgiven. Let us remember that promises that have been made and that will be kept. Let us rest in the faith that has been given us. Let us cling to the cross. Let us be encouraged by the words of our Lord and Savior. Let us be strengthened by his presence with us and within us. And though we live in a world where the nightmares of life still seek to torment us, where we still struggle against our sin, where we still struggle with the sin of our neighbor, where injustice is everywhere, where immorality is accepted and condoned, where sickness, where sickness seeps into the nations, where division thrives in the place of unity. Let us not be undone or overwhelmed by the nightmares of the world, but instead, let us take our pillow and our blanket. And though we are still aware of the darkness around us, let us make our bed at the feet of the Father, that we might find rest amid the nightmares of life. What a wonderful fantastic, loving, merciful, and powerful God we serve. Amen.